welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dr. Samaria Colbert. If this is your first time, wherever you are viewing this, I am a licensed therapist. I have a little over 16 plus years of experience. I am the uh, CEO of a private practice called Kingdom Creative Counseling. I love being there. Just got finished from my day there and I'm deciding to do this teaching and uh, was, I've been uh, a lot of books, a little over 60. And what else? I give you faith-based principles to bring about lasting change. Disclaimer, this is not therapy. Say to me, we'll record today. What I'm talking about today is not what therapy. I do encourage people to go to therapy, but remember um, what we're doing here is not therapy. <laughs> it is meant to encourage you um depend upon the topic to go to therapy uh also for those who don't know i do um do other stuff and sometimes i talk about like leaders and leadership development i do have a phd in christian organizational leadership all right y'all ready we're gonna talk about how to overcome white knight syndrome white knight syndrome or some people know this as the rescuer Okay, uh, if you have ever been like me, <laughs> I always tell people I tell you my business without telling you my business, but you got to live by t with a T <laughs> from having to or trying to think that you can rescue people from uh, their own poor choices. Um, and I did a little bit of a reel on White Knight Syndrome and the rescuer and how that works and you're going to rescue people from, from themselves, you know, and uh, how you can get got and <laughs> get burnt. <laughs> uh, get used, abused, and and things like that. And so you want to be able to deliver, uh, get delivered from that. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for joining us today. Um, we can take this from two different veins, and that is the predator versus the helper. I'm only going to look at it from the perspective of the helper. What does that mean? Uh, when sometimes when someone is um has overcome, um, uh, well, let me just go back. Sometimes you can have have someone who is victim of like a narcissist person or a uh, a a predatorial person and uh how you uh in coming out of that situation oftentimes people can get access to our lives is because they are the great rescuer for us right and so they come along i'm going to rescue you i'm here to help you and i'm here to you know and so they tend to prey on people who are at vulnerable places and spaces I'm not going to talk about delivering from the white knight syndrome from the predatorial perspective, because that's a whole nother uh, teaching. I'm going to talk to you about overcoming white knight syndrome from the perspective of those who had the purities of heart and purities of intentions. You're not in your intention to harm anyone. You think you're doing the right thing and uh, you end up experiencing uh, trauma, drama, uh, burnout, compassion, fatigue, all those things, um, uh, because, uh, you are trying to rescue people or enable them. Um, we're going to talk briefly about codependency and what that looks like. So when we talk about, again, what is white knight syndrome? It is the need to rescue people, to enable them, to, um, uh, uh, to, to, to enable them to stay stuck. Uh, there are people in life who are entitled. There are people in life who, who are chronologically, an adult, but they've never been fully uh, mature. So they're looking for people to do things like rescue them from their own poor choices, pay their bills, uh, and just be their, their superhero because they have not actualized and matured past uh, being 
and adult. <laughs> I always call this the grown man child or the grown man woman. These are people that you uh, find yourself in relationships with family, friends, or uh, romantic partners, and you are their spiritual mother or father, even though technically on paper you may be equals, but really the dynamic is between parent-child. And God does not want us to reparent grown adults. Come, 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 come here, okay? He does not want us to reparent uh, grown adults. And we're going to tell you how people get stuck in that. The first thing that we want to do is identify where this comes from. Oftentimes, people who are struggling with rescuing other people have an insatiable need to... Um, to, to rescue, it really comes from their own past history, their own past history of loss, trauma, or toxic forms of loyalty. There is a form of loyalty that is healthy, and there is a form of what we call toxic loyalty. And when you get preyed upon, you are preyed upon people who, who are looking for people such as us, who are truly dedicated and uh, integral and we really have a heart for people uh, unfortunately the sad thing is you can get preyed upon and maybe hunted by people who have been poor motives i said this before and i'm going to break that down a little bit further but oftentimes uh, our compassion leads to error let me go back and how and how this identifies you have to look at what are some of your patterns and where this came from um um, for example, um, I will talk about your family role, the family system roles. You can even Google un, uh, um, dysfunctional family roles. Uh, this is one type of syndrome. It's not in your diagnostic manual that I have had to experience. And, and so after uh, going through my own healing process and I begin to ask and seek the father, father, why, why am I here? Why do these people treat me like this? I remember praying and saying, God, I, I just... Uh, I, I'm not baby Jesus. I don't, I'm not you, but they expect me to be you. I cannot have a weak moment. They expect me to be the rescuer, but they cannot, you you said, I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm, is it why? And he says to Mary, because you've always been very responsible. And so oftentimes we talk about our family dynamic or that dysfunctional family role or family roles. You will have someone in that family dynamic is the quote unquote responsible one, the caretaker, the counselor, the one that that is the natural leader that holds the glue together. And sometimes you can be put in certain roles that you didn't even ask for, but you naturally are, 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 are fall into them because you just are responsible. You do things, you're dependable. You can have someone that has, um, uh, um, three children, right? And you know that one child, you ain't really got to worry about them. You can sit them in a the corner somewhere. You can go, they're not going to do nothing, but you got two other ones. They're going to act a, a plum fool. Why? Because there's some people that your personality type, your natural, we talk about leading and leadership. You naturally have leadership capacity and that shows up in every area of your life, including uh, how you show up within your family roles and how you show up within your relationships. And so if you are in a family role and your role was the, the, was the grown parent, okay, or the parent caretaker or the counselor, uh, you are naturally more prone to attract certain types of people in your adult life. That is friends, family, and definitely romantic partners who stick to you like glue and they really need help. Right. And so I talk about the difference between uh, helping both versus versus, uh, versus uh, cultivating. Uh, when you're a leader, you want to cultivate people, which is very different from helping them. When you're helping someone, you're helping someone with, with not really an expectation 
uh, other than they are at peace. You're not trying to make them better. You're not trying to change them. You're not trying to develop them into who God has called them to be so they can run the race and advance God's kingdom. Uh, you just helping them. Maybe they need something to eat. You give them something to eat. That's it. Nothing that's left, nothing more. But cultivating is a strategy uh, of, of being poured into someone, which may include uh, helping them or giving, but, but giving them certain strategies and developing into who they call to be. A lot, oftentimes, people confuse people think I'm helping you, uh, but you really are trying to cultivate them, and your strategy is off, and it's not right. Uh, the other reasons why, again, uh, how people get put into this uh, this white knight syndrome, you are the the person, the rescuer, is when our compassion leads to error. Our compassion leads to error we are so compassionate towards other people and we have to and i put this in one of my teeth i do i do all kinds of stuff y'all be talking real good <laughs> uh what happens is uh, how our compassion leads to error is simple like someone has a story and you want to definitely help them and there's nothing wrong with that but you have to still seek the father god concerning that i don't want to get ahead of myself but just because you need help does not mean i'm supposed to help you so just because um just because you need mentorship does not mean I'm called to mentor you. And so, so oftentimes we get put in these enabling roles because you're trying to rescue someone from a, a place in the space that God has put them in. Think about this. Oftentimes how you mean to the people who have grown and evolved and matured, how we come to know God, how we come to mature as we had spaces and times and spaces and, and places that we didn't know what we we're going to do, but we learned to depend upon God. Some people never learn to depend upon God because they're depending on other people. I know someone right now, they go from one place to the next place to the next place. They have vagabond spirit and all they do is have a sob story and they go from one sob story person to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. I was just next in line to, for this miracle. And eventually, you know, I'm no longer next in line. Now they went and found somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes that these people are looking for certain people to, 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 to leech onto to and to, and to attach themselves to and it ends up draining you but our compassion for them leads to air everybody got a sob story but you gotta look behind that sob story all right i'm talking to you a little more about that in a minute i got a little bit ahead of myself we're gonna keep it moving uh we why do people get uh, caught up in uh white knights and one a healthy unhealthy need for validation you have you are people pleasing you need to please other people Right. Uh, when, in, in, in experience, I'm going to go back to, I don't know if I explain it, to loss. Oftentimes in our childhood, and let me give an example, uh, hypothetically speaking, but it's, it's a real scenario. Let's say you were growing up and I, I had, you know, uh, particularly guys who are growing up and maybe growing up, mom was on drugs real bad. And so as a child, right, they begin to fantasize what it'd be like to rescue my mom from this drug addiction or let's say domestic violence. A male child, mother in particular, is in a DV situation and they keep saying, one day I'm going to rescue mom, one day I'm going to rescue mom, uh, one day I'm going to rescue mom. And they had this fantasy in their mind of rescuing somebody. Well, what ended up happening in their adult life is the mom continued to stay in DV. Maybe uh, their parent who was on drugs still out there on, on the streets. I mean, I'm just, these are real, these are, there's not my, I'm not giving you confidential information. I'm just telling you scenarios that happen. Uh, and then maybe mom's still out there in the street, or maybe they got to a place that they could help mom and she didn't want the help. You understand what I'm saying? Or maybe, uh, unfortunately, parent died in the streets or parent died because of DV. These are traumatic issue issues. If a person has not resolved it, you will find someone that reflects the person that you lost in some way, shape or form. And it's the mind's way, the subconscious way of replaying a loss or trauma in the past, trying to make it different. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. Need to please. We talk about family roles. Sometimes in your Christian faith, not good Christians, people will use your Christian faith against you. 
Oh, you're supposed to be a good Christian. What do you mean you're not going to help me? But you're supposed to forgive. You're not supposed to have resentment in your heart. But but you said you were a Christian. So being a Christian does not mean you enable people that, or you can't say no, or you keep yourself stuck. And that when people, a lot of Christians have themselves bound in certain situations because of their Christian faith. They have taken the scripture out of context. God wants us to help our brothers and sisters. He wants us to feed them. He wants them to help give you a hand up. Remember, it's a hand up. It's not a hand out. It's not meant for you to keep, to keep staying stuck, right? And so people oftentimes, they'll use that guilt trip. Well, you know, we a family. We family and we supposed to be there for each other. But the family don't get this. And at some point, you got to get yourself off of, your, off of your do nothing and start doing something. If I got to go to work, my God, you got to go to work. <laughs> if I can't scam still and, and manipulate people to get my knees back, neither can you. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? It's like they make poor choices and they're gonna call you to rescue them from their poor choice. Mind you, these people don't even call you, tell you what's something. They didn't call you to get the I didn't tell you to, to blow up your credit card like that. I did not tell you to not spend your to spend your rent money on because you're trying to ball out shop call. I I told I you asked me, I told you to save it up for a rainy day. Now you got the money, now you're calling me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't mean to go off. You can tell. I've experienced this, but like I said, I ain't gonna tell you about business all the time. No more. I got delivered. Don't ask me no questions. You know, I got delivered. Okay. But these are people who make really poor choices, right? But they know John don't got them. As soon as I call my this is why they don't call you today. Sister and brother, they don't call you till they want something. Other than that, they fine. Well, let me tell you what people do. Let me, I know they did this to me too. Watch this, y'all. They need some money. They borrow it, and right? They don't give it back because they get amnesia. And they got the nerve to be balling, shot calling in front of your face. You be like, I know, doggone well. You said you. <laughs> I'm telling you, God don't want us to be a, a doormat in the house of the Lord. Okay? Okay. Unhealthy boundaries. Do not know how to set boundaries. Okay? You just too nice. You too nice of a person. Okay. All right. We almost done, y'all. <laughs> I tell you, it's gonna be hit. It's gonna be quick today. But we gotta get delivered from this white knight syndrome. I promise you, your peace will help you. Uh, the people that are really for you, you will meet these people once you let go of leeches and leeches. Okay. Your peace will thank you later. Let the church say. Amen on that one, right? So the first thing we want to do when we talk about white knight syndrome is we have to identify where it came from because when we talk about how do we heal, we got to dig it up from the root. You can't pacify yourself. You know, you know, y'all good Christians, I guess us good Christians, we love to shout, run, and jump and then still go back to the same foolishness that we love. I Trust me, because I'm a therapist. I see lots of Christians, okay? Particularly when I vote about my faith. We want to hoop, holler, squalor, and don't do don't do anything outside of that the word has to work other than church it's not just a good place corner to zeke where you go you hear the prophet prophesying you hear the music playing you have to take it and make it practical to your life okay all right so so the first thing we have to do is when we identify where it came from we got to take it up from the root and make some changes Make some changes, okay? 
uh, and identify where it came from and what are those unhealthy patterns. If you don't identify, don't just write all this fine in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that demon. And you end up running to the same people over and over and over again. Because white knight, people who, who lash themselves or users, abusers, it's it's not the person, it's the spirit behind the person. And if you just pacify, you will be real churchy. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But you don't learn from the, I talked about the last teaching, I think on resentment. Don't talk about what you lost. Talk about what you learned. If you could truly say, I don't, that was the devil with that came to me. And you don't actualize and truly understand the patterns in your life and, and, and start the process of breaking those patterns. You're going to meet the same people again and in a different, it'll be Tom, then it'll be Tim, uh, then it'll be Tim. Then it'll be William. Then it'll be John. You understand what I'm saying? Different name, different person. They may look alike. They may look different. Same exact spirit. You got to break that spirit. Well, you can't break it by denying it, jumping, uh, hooping, shouting, and quaking, and, 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 then, and then going back to the exact same scenario. That doesn't make sense, right? Uh, so we have to pull it up from the root, acknowledge it, I, and go to therapy. Uh, I am someone who went to therapy myself, and, and my therapist said to me, said, how are you able to set really good boundaries and excel in your career with these people over here? You can't set boundaries. You have a hard time setting boundaries with. And it turns out as I was beginning to analyze, I learned that how I showed love, how I showed affection, how I was, I was geared to give love was a, because of what I could do, not who I am. And so the process of my healing, which I talked about in my last session is learning that I am enough and the people that truly want to be in my space will be in my space because of who I am, not what, I, not what I could provide or do, or because I'm Johnny on the spot, right? So you have to set boundaries. I want to always recommend this book to lots and lots of clients I have because I have lots of people who experience this. Uh, and that is uh, Boundaries by Dr. Henry Quayle and Dr. It's a, it's a dual, uh, a Christian psychologist. Just put Dr. Henry Quayle. Uh, and I can't think of the other person's name. Hmm. It'll come to me, but just pipe type in uh, uh, boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. And if I uh, can remember those who watch this via uh, YouTube, I'll post the link below. It is not my book. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but it is a classic book and they have done a wonderful job of explaining in detail, but also from a psychological, but from a Christian perspective, why people have difficulty setting boundaries. Okay. You are the rescuer. Uh, there's never been a rescuer or someone who's or someone who's a white knight person who didn't have some difficulty with boundaries. Everyone does not, should not have access to you. I mean, you just, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So get rid of your need to please. Knowing that God is pleased with me and I don't have to prove it is what I said in my last teaching. You have to use the sermon. Okay. Now the sermon is going to give you some clear instructions and directions. You've got to use the sermon. Everybody that's in your face and everybody that gives you a sob story is not telling you the truth. Now, discernment is not the same as pessimism. Okay. Discernment is not saving your anxiety. You know, people just don't trust people. You are discerning. You just, I had one guy try to get me, right? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit started telling me things. And he went off. Oh, boy, he went off. And you people, you don't trust anybody. I don't understand. Da, 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 da. And then, and you, I'm a black man. I'm just, he, boy, he went off, off, off. Not on me, though. He was just going off. He was like doing like those subliminals, but I know you talk about me, sir. Anyway, uh, turns out, and I I was stuck in my, because I knew I, I had peace about it. I knew that I was not uh, tripping, slipping, or dipping. 
I knew I heard from the Lord. Tell me, said, don't rock with this person, Samaria. Don't do it because it's going to be dead weight. Turns out everything that the Lord spoke to me about was true. So discernment is not fear. It's, now, sometimes you can have a wicked kind of thing. It's not jealousy. It's not envy. When you truly have discernment, you're not looking for something uh, about somebody. You're trying to look under covers and all that kind of stuff. And talk about, I'm just, I, had, I know someone else. I'll tell you all kinds of stories because I just feel like telling you a story, honey. I remember this one person, she was like, I, I listen to gossip sites because I got I to gotta discern who's who and what's what. You got to go to gossip sites so that you can know who, who labors among you. Really? That's what, we, that's what we're doing? No, 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 no. So, but you have to use discernment. The, the Bible says the, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And sometimes you can have someone in your faith that's telling you the right thing, but in the back of your mind, that Holy Spirit is saying, uh-uh, don't believe that. You know, this is a hot mess, right? Uh-uh, they're not, you know they're lying, right? I'm telling you, he'll be in your ear. He's going to lead you into all truth, okay? Remember this? Uh, I always love this book. It's one of my one of my top 10 favorite books by a therapist. Came out in the late 90s. Um, but it was called Emotional Unavailability. And the author, Brian C. Collins, says repeatedly throughout the book, you did not break it and you can't fix it. And you have to understand, when you are a rescuer, when you are a white knight person, you are trying to fix what you did not break. You cannot pour into an empty well and you cannot get substance from an empty well. Okay. There's a, there's a place and a space to deal with broken people. And most of the time people who fall, uh, pray to being someone's white knight person, you're not, you, 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 you just enable someone to stay stuck. This is why they turn on you when you say no. Okay. Remember, oftentimes people don't change. Their heart does not change. Well, they can, but most times when you're dealing with someone who has a predatorial spirit, they don't, they haven't really changed. But what was in them all along is revealed when they don't get their way. Right? So you didn't break it, my brothers and sisters, you can't fix it. Remember, we all have to learn. Think about it. Like, I, I can only think about, I'm not bragging, I can only think about myself. I've had times growing up when I had time, when I first moved off on my own many moons ago, like I literally had to depend. I didn't have anybody that I can call. And I didn't feel comfortable calling my because my parents were, were didn't have a whole lot of money laying around. Like if I needed my rent paid or or if I needed uh, uh, extra groceries, I literally, I obviously had a job, um, but I had to literally depend upon God. And God always came through, even being like an entrepreneur. Like, Everybody knows entrepreneur ain't always what it seems, but I had to really learn to depend upon God because he was my source. But I learned that. There's scripture about how Jesus learned through what he suffered. And so oftentimes we want to rescue people from their own suffering, but remember, they have their own process. And sometimes people don't want to submit to their own process. And so they find somebody else who can who can help them, but you're 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 dis, you're disabling them and doing them a disservice because they'll never learn. They'll find the thousands of you before they sit down and say, okay, Lord. Some people never get there. Some people will never find God because they have you. Ain't that sad? God is the one. And, and, and the different facets of who God is. God is not just God the Father through my salvation. He's God my Father. What does a Father do? Provide, protect, and give identity. Uh, uh, my God, my Father supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory. My God, God, my Father, and sometimes yes, He does favor us through people, but oftentimes He He has to allow us to have 
places and spaces where we struggle so that we can tune our ear to his voice. But some people never find God. They'll never pray on their own, never see God because they're looking for somebody else to just give them a word. Right? So follow peace. Listen, I have someone to ask me that. Why don't you deal with this person? I am pro I need answer. But guess what? I'm protecting my peace. That's all you need to know. I am protecting my peace. When you are a white knight syndrome, you got someone attached to you, eventually they drain you of your peace, honey. And I said this years ago, because uh, some uh, 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 individual that I was working with said this. He said, the older I get, the more I value peace. And anything that's robbing me of your peace, keeping you up at night, slipping, tripping, and dipping, hunty God does not want... See, when it's really God, regardless of what you are experiencing, yea, that I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will not fear any evil. When, you're, when it's really God, no matter what your surroundings are, you can still have peace. But when someone is robbing you of your peace, that ain't God. That is not. I had somebody lose. Soon as they shut up at my door, the peace was like, I holler. I see you later, sis. It was a good time. I'll call you back in a couple years. Uh-uh. Protect your peace. The Bible says guard your heart. For out of it flows the issue. So anybody, nobody should just come in and out of your heart just be like that. You got to vet people. Guard your heart. And if we stop trying to move ahead of God, right? He'll tell you what's what and who's who. Anticipate resistance, but commit to move on. And I tell my clients this all the time, we'll share it with you. Sometimes when you first start setting boundaries with people, and they're used to you being Johnny on the spot. They used to be the person to pick up your phone call, a phone, all that stuff. When they used to say, you're going to have resistance. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, you gonna tell them no? They go, well, you supposed to be a quick. They gonna try to guilt trip you. Then if you really keep saying no longer, oh, they'll do the smear campaign and talk about that smear campaigns. Tell all kinds of lies about you. Your name, put it on social media. Call mutual friends. Let me tell you what she did. X, Y, and Z. They'll do that. But you gotta be. You gotta ex anticipate the resistance and and keep your 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 foot uh, your feet f uh, flat on the floor. Say I'm not, I'm not going back this time. I don't I don't care what you say. You can, I don't care what well, you can call me anything, anybody but the but uh, but a child of God. It's not to my face because you know you can't do that to my face. Not, not to my face. You, I don't care what you say about me. I am protecting my peace and I'm not going back. Okay, don't try to explain yourself or change other people's opinion of you. you I promise you, I've been there, done this too. Uh, you, Mister or Mrs. Wonderful, when you saying yes. But child, they didn't got they get amnesia as soon as you start saying no set bound you everything but a child of God. They didn't forget. <laughs> you gotta get delivered from that white knight. It's okay to let go. Remember, just because you are a Christian, you family, I've known you a long time does not mean they should have access to you. I told y'all this on another teacher I did. Um I talk about trauma bonds are not divine connections. Oh, we you went through a bad breakup, so did I. You was raised in church, so was I. You uh your 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 auntie died, my auntie died. Oh my god, we all be together. You'd be surprised people want the whole relationship with trauma bond people. Your pain does not it means you can have something to relate. You it means you have something, excuse me, y'all. It means you have something to relate to, okay? But it does not mean that you have access to your life. <laughs> because you can relate to each other's pain does not mean so much to be have access to your life, your business, your ministry, whatever it is you got going on, because they got a sob story. 
pray for them. I, you know, you can get the best thing you can do is, you know what? I was there. Bless the Lord. I know it's like to go through that kind of pain to have unhealthy. I know what that's like. Bless you. I will be praying for you. You don't give them access. Call me whenever you. No, you can't call me whenever you want. Let me, let me see. <laughs> you understand? Don't mean they just have access to you like because you can relate to pain. Can they, re can they relate to your, your discipline? Can they relate to your healing? Can they relate to your process? That's your pain. You be surprised. I would sit back like, so you decided to give this person access to your life because you can relate to that person? What the, what the world? What the world? <laughs> I'm acting silly today, y'all. Take what I'm saying serious, but the, the the little the after stuff, just laugh at it. Not at me though. Remember, this is a biblical concept. Remember Genesis chapter 13. Remember Abraham, the father of our faith. Genesis, you know what Genesis 13? Uh, Abraham, excuse me, said to Lot. He said, "Listen, Lot, you grown now. I'm reading on your own time. I'm telling you, what he said. Genesis 13. You you you're grown, okay." He said, there's too much tension between us. He said, no, we got to go our separate ways because it's too much tension. Abraham was a white knight person. He kept having to rescue Lot from his own choices. Going back, Lot, Lot got himself in trouble again. And here come Abraham being good uh, uncle father. Okay. Remember, he was really his uncle, but he had a father role to him. Kept coming back. After a while, Lot is married with children. He's all the way grown. Okay, Abraham said, listen, we ain't supposed to be together. We're not supposed to do the thing called life together. Read it on Genesis 13. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. He says, too much tension between us. He said, listen, you go your way and I go my way. You pick which way you want to go. And I'm going to make sure I go the opposite way. There's some people in life, my brothers and sisters. I don't care if you are related to me. I don't care if you know me for 40 years, which I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s. I don't care how long you've known me. Okay, there's some people you've done all that you can do. You got to say, listen, it's too much tension. Uh, we got to do like Abraham, Genesis 13. Uh, I have no ill will, to, ill will towards you. Abraham didn't go have a closer conversation. This is what you did. This is what I did. This is how you treated me, and I didn't like that. He didn't say that. He said, you go your way. And Michael, Michael, come on, I'm sorry, y'all read it on your own time. Read it. You don't have to have a close, at the end of the day, you go your way and I go my way. And it's cool. I ain't got no ill will towards you. I ain't unforgiven. I'm I'm good. I'm at peace. Heck, I'm at peace with you because you ain't there. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> You're not there anymore. Thank you, God. Duh. But you ain't got to tell them all that because you know what I'm saying? Don't be just mean about it. But I'm just telling you between you and us. You be like, thank you, God. You are gone. I ain't got to deal with you and you're crazy. Thank you, Jesus. But don't don't say that because, you know, just, just between you and Jesus, just say thank you. Just shout, okay? But you don't have to have people in your life and in your corner. But when you recognize that white knight starts saying, wait a minute, I I really don't need you in my... You, the most people, when you're a white knight, if you really are, if, 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 from the true definition, you're that person who's rescued, you realize that the people, like, you don't really need them. They need you. They was all talk, no game. They, like the person, people, I thought, they all, they were, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, we're going to be this, 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 All talk, no game. You don't really need them in your life. All right? So Genesis 13, my, my, here's it. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation, good Christians. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. You're not coming to my house. We're not going out to eat. We're not besties no more. Okay? 
uh, I'm not hanging out. I'm not sending you a Christmas card. You know, if I see you at the airport, thank you, Jesus. I say, hey, bless the Lord. If I see you at an event, thank hey. If I drive past you in the light, hey. I, now, if I see you at the Walmart, I may wave. Okay, no, there's no need to have a conversation. We ain't got to do all that. We didn't know. Okay? <laughs> but let me tell you how Christians get God. Because, oh, that's your cousin. And you know her all your life. You suppose that's just, but, but that, but you have resentment and I don't forget that is your cut. I don't care if you was my twin sister. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to reconcile. Now, I'm not the type of person where just because someone do you wrong, you just cut people. I was listening to an interview about, I can't remember who it was. She was like, you did me wrong. I just, I just think, I think it was a rapper. I ain't gonna say her name, but she's like, if I just feel like, yeah, okay, you're family. I don't think in my opinion, in my opinion, that the minute someone does you wrong or they just, you know, you you, you come out of pocket that you just dismiss. I think you got to lean into that a little bit more. Uh, when someone does something, don't don't dismiss them like you you done. But say, wait a minute, Holy Spirit, wait a minute. Because sometimes people generally do make mistakes or something like that and it's not their intention. But sometimes it's like, huh. So you ain't got to keep having red flags and little subtle soul you know, drip, drip to the till you get to this big thing. Most of the time there were small, subtle red flags. The red flags are not always very subtle. So when you see something and they oh and, and, and you you catch them on it and they oh I'm so sorry or whatever. Don't dismiss that. My past, my previous past the subtle the subtle small suggestion of the Holy Spirit. It's like, huh. Hmm. But don't just be like suspicious. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Am I am I overthinking this? Uh, what's going on? Can can I trust this person? And he will lead you. He'll tell you no. Don't ignore that. Oftentimes, the the Holy when the God when God speaks to you, the Bible talks about. Uh, I think it was um, First Kings. I want to say nineteen. I believe it's First Kings nineteen. Um, let me just double check that. But when Elisha had originally uh, had originally. Um, uh, fleed from Jezebel after Jezebel was giving him a hard time, threatening him, saying, "You're going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, end your life." Excuse me, y'all know how the social media does; it, it blocks stuff. He starts saying certain things. Um, uh, he he went away, right? And he had to had time to rest. But the Bible was talked about, and the wind came, but it says God was not in the wind, and the rain came, and the wind and the fire came. But God was not in the fire. Um, but God came in a still, small voice. Watch this. So it was First Kings chapter nineteen, and it reads: So after uh, after Elijah had given himself to a low place, and he said, "Go forth to stand before the mountain." Uh, ver- uh, let me just clarify. I said that kind of fast. I do talk fast and working on it. First Kings nineteen verse eleven. And he said, "Go forth, stand." upon the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great wind rent the mountains and break into pieces before the Lord but it says but the Lord was not in the wind all right and then the wind and earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire still small and after the fire a still small voice and it was so when Elisha heard it, he wrapped his faith in his mantle and went forth. And he didn't have a conversation with God. What do I mean by that? It's oftentimes we had difficulty. Come on. Uh, we have difficulty discerning uh, the voice of God because we think 
loud boom bam but you know we just we got too many people in our ear uh and we think loud aggressive rah 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 god 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 but the god is not in the loud he's not in the abrasive he's not in the boom 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 the noise all the noise he's not in that man is in that because they need to give you a show right they need to give you uh, 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 some something spectacular, but God is in a still small voice. So what am I saying? If, even when someone's in your ear, right, and they're talking a good game, noise, da -da 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 -da. or you're at church and God said, God said, God said, God said, music playing, boom, boom, boom they, all this. God said, still yourself. Got to get to a long place. It's difficult to hear God when you're stressed out, by the way, or burnout, or have capacity fatigue. Get to a still small and say, God, now what did you say? And then he'll speak in a still small voice. He'll tell you, no, don't, don't ignore that. That ain't, that ain't what I called you to. Or God will say, yeah, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't despise, don't despise, excuse me, small beginnings. But you don't know. Because it all looks the same initially until you use some D word discernment. Okay. So forgiveness does not mean reconciling. Look for equal parts. Now, I wrote another book about broken. I wrote a couple books with the title broken. I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> you read so many books, you sometimes the titles run into each other. But I wrote a book uh, before my last book on broken. Um, but the, that book was not about relationships. It was really about, um, again, uh, compassion, burnout, stress, burnout, and compassion fatigue. Um, and I talked about how in that book, you have to uh, properly identify who belongs where in your life. It does not mean you're a snob, okay? Everybody should not have access to you. Everybody that comes into your face and gives you a, a, a kind word is not your friend. Everybody, you see what I'm saying? Like there's some people that are professional colleagues. You ha generally have a good relationship with them, but they're not necessarily a friend person. You not can't call them for, for answers and things like that. And so you have to c categorize who this person is and how close proximity they ha should have to you. But the only people who should have intimate access to you to, are, are those who can handle your weakness and your proclivities. The people that know you, that you feel like you can lean on them and they can lean on you. We call this equal partners, iron sharpens iron. Remember, the more successful you become, you don't have to be known. Okay, but if you are known, take this to what it is too. But you will always attract, particularly when you are successful or you're just a person who is diligent about your work. You will attract people of means. That means you're not, the Bible says a man diligent in his business will not, will not stand before mean men. It doesn't mean like mean, like mean, like you're mean, but it means like you're not going to stand before average people. You're going to be amongst greatness and great people. So you're attract what's in you. If you're great, you're going to attract great people, you, you, but you also will attract needy people. You'll attract leeches. You'll attract people who are entitled. You'll attract people who need something from you. You are not in control of who you attract. You are in control of who you entertain. Okay. Who you entertain is your business. Who you attract is different. There's a lot of people that think, oh, well, maybe, not. <laughs> maybe I spoke ahead of myself. There are some people in life that think Samaria is pretty. There's some people like that think Samaria is beautiful. There's some people who don't. I'm okay with it. I don't care. There's some people, but everyone does not have access to me just because you think I'm pretty. Everybody doesn't have access to me just because you think I'm a great therapist and I need to hear your problem. You see what I'm saying? You, it, it, we run the risk now of 
of, of, of being prey to predatorial people when you don't know how to set boundaries and then anybody and everybody who, who uh, gives you a kind word and a compliment gets access to you. I have two phones. One is a business phone that has a business ID and the other one is a personal phone. Nobody gets my personal phone, so don't even ask. Okay? Nobody gets my personal phone unless I give it to you. And I will not be giving it to you just because I like it. Okay? All right. So you're not in control of who you attract. You are in control of who you entertain. And when you have a good value of yourself, your worth, your value, and your sanity, you, you will have some boundaries to who has access to you. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, a third time, a four, and a, shame on me. Okay? <laughs> First of all, a zebra does not change its uh, stripes. And in the words of Maya Angelou, when people show you who they are, believe them, believe them, believe them. That means you got to judge it. But I can pray for you from a, I can pray for you from a distance, honey. You got to come to my house so I can lay hands on you. We ain't got to go out to eat so I can pray with you. You understand what I'm saying? I ain't got to call you on my personal phone. And you got to call me, period. I can pray for you without having a conversation with you. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Remember, healthy relationships are not, this is really important. This is the last thing we're going to go here. Remember, healthy relations are interdependent, not codependent. We do need people in our lives. We do. Uh, we all want to experience love and affection and being significant in the eyes of other people. We all want our people. Uh, when you are younger, your family are the people that you are born into. When you're older, your family are the people that you choose, right? So a healthy relationship, right? Family, friends, romantic partners, whomever is interdependent, not codependent. When you're codependent with someone, you lose your eyes. It's based on the manipulation, power, and control. You lose parts of your identity and you don't like the person that you have become as a result of being in their presence. You start losing yourself, losing your confidence, losing how you see yourself, losing, you don't lose it, but you, you don't lose your value, but you feel like your value. You end up being depressed and depleted and anxious all because of a wrong connection. So God does not want us to be cold. When people are codependent, they can't think outside of someone else. But when you're interdependent, it's like you got people iron sharp as iron. You become a better person as a result of having these people in your life. They hold you accountable. You hold them accountable. You are running the race together where you lack their strong, where you're strong, they're lack. So you don't lose your identity. You gain more of yourself while being in community with other people. But the people that are interdependent are not really looking to be rescued. They're really not. When you are someone who's interdependent, I'm not talking about that dependent. I don't need nobody, but God, man, you need me. That's a form of, of, of um, identity. I don't need nobody but me and me and me and Jesus. And I ain't got, that, ain't, that ain't God either. But the people that God is sending into your life, they hold weight with you. If you are someone and you're the smartest person in the room, if you're the most talented person in your group, if you have people on your team and you and you the head honcho in charge and, and they can't, they, they don't have any skill set. God is going to send people who are interdependent. You know, the Deborah, the Ezra's of life. They don't need you, but they want you. They're committed to the vision for your life. You're committed to the vision for their life. 
you grow more into you as a result of being with them and, and vice versa. That's what we want. All right. So ask God for discernment. Okay. And then let go of this white knight syndrome. If listen, if they if someone cannot be disciplined before God, they're not gonna be disciplined before you. If they're not gonna change for God, they're not gonna change for you. I have a lots of clients who say, I just, I just wanna love him. And then he just changed. Sister, no, 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 no. A person has to change because they want to change, not for the sake of somebody else. If they can't change for God, they're not going to change for you. If they can't discipline themselves for God, we cannot sit our, our place in a seat of right or the seat of judgment to be somebody's change agent. If God have a hard time dealing with them, what makes us think we can replace him and say, listen, God, I got this. This is what we, this is what we do subconscious. God, I got this. I can fix it. I know you can't change him, God. I know that they are rebelling against you. And I know they don't want to hear your voice, but I got, they're going to hear my voice. They're going to believe me. They're going to listen to me. They can't do it for God though. Right? All right. We're going to get delivered. Okay. From that white night syndrome. All right. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. You want to know a little bit more about me, go to my website. I got a whole bunch of books. www.dacrisonarycobra.com. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about my training, www.christianleaders.com. And then if you want to know a little bit more and you need therapy and you're located in the state of North Carolina, okay, in the state of North Carolina, you can just go to my website at www.kingdomcreativecounseling.com. I do not communicate with anybody uh, at all. And definitely not my clients over social media or DMs. Bye, y'all. Bye.